October 7th, 2021, 8.05 p.m. Top of the first, nothing, nothing. Well, folks, this is it. The story of the summer is coming to a close here tonight as John Means steps on the mound and we're about to get underway at the first ever 50-cent beer night. Daryl Mosquito Malzberg of the Upper Deckers steps up to the plate. Means is set, and here comes the first pitch. And Mosquito stings one down the third baseline. Franco dives, and it is into left field for a base hit. Mossberg stops at first, and how, how do you like that, folks? The Upper Deckers have their first hit in a major league park on the very first pitch they see. Means collects himself now as the one and only Big Joe Bandicoot, that famous Oriole crowd pleaser and the catcher manager of the Upper D's, steps into the box. When I think about that night, I try my best to stay in just that first moment. It was incredible. A fantasy I never really knew I had. Stepping up to the plate, facing a major league ace, crowd cheering. For just a moment, it was like time stood still. I couldn't help but smile. Look back at the other rookies and their first at bat. They're clenching up, sweating, nervous. Not me. <laughs> Go look at the tape of that night. Big Joe Bandicoot is smiling. Holy Moses! Big Joe makes contact on pitch number two, and that'll put a man on first and second with nobody out. Means can't believe his eyes. I tell you, he's circling back to the mound like a lion circles a wildebeest, like a hawk circles a field mouse. Oh, he's got fury in those eyes now, I tell you. I mean to say he's a man on a mission. Don't you agree, Horatio, you sweet-lipped hound? Absolutely, Chip. And would you listen to that crowd? Oh, you can just feel the Passion pulsing through these stands tonight, my friends. I know I certainly feel it in this booth. And you know, the World Series, that old fall classic, isn't for another few days, but, oh, I think I'm starting to fall in love with this new classic game right here. Oh, you're not the only one, Horatio. I tell you, this place is packed. Upper Decker fans, O's fans, everybody seems to be a fan of the one and only 50 Cent Beer Night. Man, I tell you, for those first few innings, we were living in a dream. Then the nightmare started. This is Beneath the Headlines, 50 Cent Beer Night and a legend of the Dundalk Upper Deckers. I'm Megan Stanton. Chapter 4. 50 Cent Beer Night As the fans filtered into Camden Yards for the highly anticipated, sold-out 50 Cent Beer Night, the stage was already set for the chaos that was about to unfold. In the weeks following Brandon Hyde's viral dugout rant, Upper Decker fandom only grew. Big Joe's promise of 50-cent beers ensured the story was covered by every major news outlet. When the gates to Camden Yards opened on October 7th, 50-cent beer night wasn't just the biggest story in sports. It was the biggest story in the country. And Joe wanted the fanfare to live up to the hype. The birds wanted to try to play this off like it was some celebrity softball game. I said, fuck that. Sure, I knew we may lose this thing. But I'd be damned if folks weren't going to have a good time both at the ballpark and at home. So, I called 
my blimp guy. The first shock of the night came as the first fans arrived. Lumbering across the sky came a blimp. And not just any blimp. A blimp that simply could not be ignored. I'm used to making the impossible happen. That's just blimping for you. This is Joe's blimp guy. He only agreed to speak with us under the condition of anonymity. So Joe calls me and says he needs a blimp in the next two weeks. I told him, no problem. What's the design? When he told me I could hardly contain myself, he asked if I could build it in time, and I said, can I build it? This is going to be my masterpiece. Other people had asked for some exciting blimps in the past, sure. But other people aren't Big Joe Bandicoot. (laughs) Of course, I always called him Rum Tum Tugger. The blimp was actually part blimp, part balloon. The balloon was in the shape of, who else? Dookie, riding a giant blimp of a, well, Dookie. Twitter christened the vessel SkyTurd. I knew SkyTurd would be the talk of the town. I just didn't think it'd be because, well, you know. But SkyTurd wasn't just for show. Joe had publicized that at the end of the game, the blimp would land behind Camden Yards so fans of both teams could gather around for some refreshments. What were those refreshments, you ask? With 50 cent beers? I knew we need to provide the fans some sustenance. It's the responsible thing to do, after all. So I had my blimp guy outfit to blimp with self-serve pudding dispensers on the outside of it. But why? I mean, like, why was pudding the choice? Why, why not burgers or, or hot dogs or literally anything else? <laughs> I mean, do I really need to say it? Pudding was more on brand, don't you think? You could have given out hot dogs and called them dookie dogs or something. Ah, shit, that's pretty good. (laughs) So, while the sky turd loomed overhead, in the stands the beer had already started to flow. It was more than Mason, the self-proclaimed best stand salesman in Baltimore, could handle. I never had a workout like I had that night. God damn, (laughs) people were buying three, four at a time, and that was before the first pitch. There wasn't, like, a limit or something? Nope. Joe wouldn't allow it. Said it would drain a joy out of it. I don't believe in no fine print deals. Do I look like a fine print kind of guy? How how did you even end up being allowed to provide the booze for the stadium? I don't want to incriminate anyone further, so let's just say I had a few connections on the concession staff. Upper Decker superfan Mark Jacobson was one of the first people through the gates. At first, there was just such joy in the stands, you know? I mean, us Upper Decker fans really scooped up those tickets early on, so lots of us had good seats along the baselines. Of course, a lot of Decker fans also bought seats up in the upper decks, obviously. So so when the game got going and everyone was just a few beers in, we were all just having such a good time, you know? After all, we all we all knew the upper deckers were probably gonna lose. This was just gonna be a fun time. But then when Mosquito and Joe got those back-to-back hits, well, we just about lost it. Top of the first, nothing, nothing. Mosquito and Big Joe were on first and second. Then came the moment every Baltimore fan wanted to see. And here he comes, the return of the big fella. Upper decker first baseman Chris Davis steps into the box with men on first and second. I tell you, my blood is pumping, my palms are sweating. Somebody check my pacemaker. There's more excitement in my bones than water in the Hoover Dam. 
Before the game, I told Chris, if you're nervous, pal, just give me a little nod and I'll cause a distraction. And by distraction, you mean... Bite Freddy Galvis square in the back. But you could tell when he walked up, he was out for revenge. We were all excited to have Chris back. He was such a big part of the Oriole story, for better or worse, for so many years. Even if he did get up there and... Davis drives into right center field. Mosquito is off to the races and is rounding third. Here comes a throw from Hayes. Mossberg slides in. Safe! Bandicoot moves up to second on an RBI single by Chris Davis. And the upper deckers take a 1-0 lead. And one sure is better than none, Chip, but the upper D's... Just like all of us. No, life's just better with two. Absolutely. Absolutely, Horatio. So let's see what they can do as the big, bad meat hooks Mickelson steps up to the plate. Boy, I tell you. But that first inning magic was about to run out for the upper deckers. Meat hooks put up an impressive fight, but after a nine pitch at bat, he finally popped out to third. Then Cormac, the barber, Murphy, grounded into a double play that ended the inning. The Orioles players seemed to race back into the dugout. John Means tossed his glove against the wall. Brandon Hyde was pumping his players up as Cedric Mullins stepped up to the plate for the Birds. Mullins had a breakout year in 2021, one of the few highlights for the Orioles. But not even the most diehard Orioles fans were focused on him. All eyes were on the mound. Bottom of the first... One nothing upper deckers. Uh, of the upper deckers aside, we are witnessing history here tonight, folks. Diana Domino is just moments away from being the first female player ever to face a major league team in a major league stadium. No matter how this game plays out, I think we can all agree this will go down as a truly great day for major league baseball. Uh, Domino is set now, and the pitch is. Ooh, swung up. Boy, he must be swinging at flies. What say you, Horatio, you dream? You know, Chip is like I've always said. Some men are born swingers and some men just bore swingers if you catch my drift. Stop it. Domino is reset now. Let's see what she's got. I called for the curve, then a changeup. She brushed them both off. (laughs) So I just let her drive. If there's one thing I know about Diana Domino... It's this. When she's in the zone, just get out of the way. Fastball and whoa, 103 on the gun, right down the middle. Froze Mullins up. He just steps out of the box to collect himself. He's down 0-2 now. Were you nervous at all in that first at bat? Nah. Really? Why should I have been nervous? I just mean, you know, you didn't feel any added pressure? Like you weren't worried about a first impression or anything? Come on, Megan. Like there was any doubt. Fastball swung on and missed the strike three. She blew him away, folks, worse than the Hindenburg. Trey Mancini steps up to the plate now. Swung on and missed. Got him with a curveball. Ha-ha! She's making him look foolish up there now. Drag one to Santander as... He must be a grave digger, because that one's buried in the dirt. What are they doing up there? Pitch number nine on its way now. Direct three called on the outside corner. She struck him out. Wow. Seems like Santander can't stand her. You see what I did there, Horatio? <laughs> How do you like that, folks? 
Diana Domino starts her debut with an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. Absolutely amazing. After that first inning, everybody was coming for refills. Decker fans wanted to celebrate. Bird fans were frustrated. I barely got halfway down the road before my bears were gone, and I was running back for more. We just couldn't keep up. Yeah, my grandson and I were sitting right above the O's dugout. Big Joe had gotten his free tickets right after the Upper Deckers played his Little League team, and that Meat Hooks Mickelson guy poured Gatorade all over himself. You know, I thought we'd be away from most of the drunks down front like that. But I'll tell you, everybody was drinking that night. A poll after the game found that by the third inning, the average 50-cent beer night spectator was on their fourth beer. And those first three innings were quick. 50-cent beer night was quickly turning into a pitcher's duel. After the first inning, the Upper Deckers only got one hit in the second and none in the third. Diana Domino made it all the way through the Orioles' lineup without giving up a single hit. In the stands, Dookie was having a field day. After every out, he'd grab an Orioles fan's hat and make a big show of flushing it down his bowl. Then he squatted and ejected it out of the back of his suit. I choreographed the hat dance myself. It was based on an ancient kabuki method of performance, Shosagoto, to be specific. I felt as though I wanted to evoke a sense of displacement, of confusion and hopelessness for the Orioles fans. I thought... Sorry, uh, are you still talking about when you pooped out the hats? My God, you are vulgar. Bottom of the fourth, one nothing. Upper Deckers. And so after retiring 11 straight, Domino will need to deal with a base runner for the first time tonight as Santander gets his lead off second following that long double. And she resets now for Mountcastle, who's ready for that first pitch, and it is driven to deep left center field. The ball is hit way back there, and it is gone! A two-run home run for Mountcastle. Gives the birds the lead, and we have ourselves a whole new ball game, folks. I knew as soon as it left my hand it was going to be trouble. I thought maybe Mosquito had it when he jumped at the wall, but it was no use. The Jolly Green Giant couldn't have gotten to that ball. And that's when the tone of the night started to shift. After Mountcastle's home run, the Upper Decker fans sitting in the actual Upper Decks started to dump their beers down onto fans below, regardless of if they were Oriole or Upper Decker fans. We made some ejections, sure, but it didn't matter too much. It was only the fourth, but everyone was already trashed. Management tried to sober folks up by only sending us out with food in the fourth, but everyone just started getting up and going to concessions. Things were heating up down on the field, too. As Mountcastle rounded the bases, the Oriole bird was celebrating on top of the O's dugout when suddenly he was joined by an unexpected and entirely uninvited guest. Joe's neighbor, Clara St. Clair, had a front row seat. I just thought it was wrong. I don't know if Joe told him to do that or not, but all joking aside, it is just not right for a mascot to invade the other team's dugout like that. How could I possibly told him to get up there? I was behind a dish. We only say, Dookie did his own thing. I always believed in pushing the boundaries of theater. Rules, whether they be written or not, were made to be broken. I don't expect someone like you to understand a trailblazing, creative visionary such as myself. 
but I believe performance should start a conversation. I have no regrets. After all, it wasn't I, Reginald Alistair Dumas, who stood on that dugout. It was Dookie. I can control his actions no more than a cloud can control the wind. As the bird danced, Dookie raced up behind him and attempted his trademark flushing. Now, mascots often get into little scuffles at baseball games, but the staging is usually obvious. This was different. Dookie was going rogue, and the bird wasn't having it. The two began shoving each other in what came dangerously close to looking like an actual fight. Eventually, Dookie hopped off the dugout and began taunting nearby fans, but the effect was immediate. The fight was shown on the Jumbotron, and the stadium's energy was lifted even higher. Top of the sixth, 2-1 Orioles. Two out now in the sixth inning as Meat Hooks Mickelson steps up to the plate. Of course, just like in the field, Meat Hooks bats without the use of gloves. We'll see what he can do here in his second at-bat of the night after Means got the better of him back in the first. Means is set, and the pitch is... Blasted to left! Oh, there's no doubt about this one, friends. Meat Hooks brings home the bacon with a solo shot to right, and this game is even Steven at two. I could tell Hyde was getting comfortable after the birds took the lead. So when Meat Hooks tied it up again, that shitty grin of his left in a hurry. And when Domino clocked another three Ks in the bottom half, I could tell he was pissed. So can you walk me through what happened in the seventh? You know, when the game started, I gave everyone a little pep talk. I told them, Everybody out there thinks this game is going to be a joke. Nobody thinks we're the real deal. Nobody thinks we can play. But we can. Sure, we've been having fun against these little leaguers, but we can play. We have real talent. I said, I've walked into this stadium hundreds, if not thousands of times. But tonight I'm not Big Joe the fan. Tonight I'm a player on a major league field. Just like all of you. And I really tried to keep it that way. You know, I really did, but... What can I say, Megan? Once a heckler, always a heckler. Top of the seventh. 2-2. Two, two. two out. Hitch on the way, and that's a... Oh! Call third strike on poor Bob Smith. Oh, and Big Joe didn't like that one bit. No, sir! He's given the home plate umpire the what for now. It, oh, my! Out comes Brandon Hyde to give Big Joe a little talking to. Could this lead to fisticuffs? Joe lost interest in that third strike call. Hyde came out of the dugout and yelled for Big Joe to go back to his. So Joe went over and did what he had done so well at Camden Yards year after year. He gave some feedback. And like the fight that had started it all, this one got heated. And the fans loved it. The stadium was shaking. Everyone was shouting. Everyone, I mean... Everyone was drunk. Seemed like folks were just throwing money at us. And just the last thing I saw before it all went down was the bird trying to break up Joe and Hyde. As Big Joe and Brandon chewed each other out, the bird, just as he had six months earlier, tried to keep the peace. Oh yes, and here comes the bird once again trying to diffuse a tense conversation between Big Joe Bandicoot and Brandon Hyde. Oh, wait, 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 just one second. It seems Dookie of the Upper Deckers is also trying to play mediator now. He comes over to the... I simply thought we could turn a tense situation into a delightful comedy of errors. This is basic mascotting after all. 
I assume the bird was skilled as I am in unarmed stage combat. But he was not. Dookie and the bird began to struggle, enough that Big Joe and Brandon Hyde abandoned their fight and backed out of the way. Dookie broke free by shoving the bird, who tripped over his feet and fell backward. He got up, rushed forward, and punched Dookie square in the bowl. Punched him so hard that Dookie's mask went flying off, exposing a shocked Reginald Alistair Dumas underneath. Exposed. The suspension of disbelief for millions. Shattered in a moment. Oh, it was not just a punch, it was a beheading. That bird killed Dookie. Okay, okay. I mean, that's a little extreme, don't you think? There is nothing more sacred in this world than the anonymity of the mascot. Do you understand me? Do you expect the world to simply forget they saw the three-time Obie-nominated Reginald Alistair Dumas piloting the soul of a newly beloved mascot? Have you no respect for mascoting how? I say again, it was no punch, it was a murder. Dookie was gone. Only Reginald remained. That was it. The point of no return. As soon as that head came off, everyone in the stadium lost it. And we're all sitting here watching as Dookie is desperately trying to recover his head. And oh my God, oh my God, the fans are hopping the fence and flooding the field. They're, they're coming from all sides of the stadium. The fans of 50 Cent Beer Night are storming Camden Yard. Single Carrot Theater is dancing back into live performances and invites you to gather with us for season 14, Revelry. This season explores joy and resilience in a myriad of forms with three main stage productions and the return of our Flipside series. Get access to all of Season 14 with an Experience Pass. Experience Passes earn you tickets to each show, exclusive discounts on classes and special events, and much more. Right now, Beneath the Headlines listeners can get 25% off their Experience Pass when they use code BTHPOD at checkout. To book your Experience Pass, visit singlecarrot.com. When the bird knocked off Dookie's mask, the drunken chaos that had been boiling in the stands all night overflowed. Upper Decker fans and Orioles fans alike stormed the field, trying to get Dookie to Big Joe to anyone they could. I told Joe, stay behind me. I love him to death, but he's a big softy under all that smack talk. He doesn't have a thirst for war. And I scooped him up and I took him to the dugout. They were coming at us from all sides. We were sworn. I got the fuck out of there. As soon as those drunks hit the grass, I ducked into the tunnel. I thought we could get to the parking lot and get out, but it seemed like every door in the place was shaking. Because it was. Not only were all the fans all over the field, they were all over the building, banging down doors, throwing food, and, of course, upper decking the bathrooms. Everywhere you looked was pure chaos. They're at the press box doors now. Oh, folks, they'll be upon us any minute now. I'm afraid the end is nigh. Oh, could be, Chip, could be. But as I always say, my friends, sometimes endings are just beautiful new beginnings in this crazy little thing we call I love you, Horatio! All right, back at you, Chipperoo. 
Back on the field, the players planned their escape. The doors to the clubhouse were being kicked in. I ran back to the dugout, and that's where I saw meat hooks barking orders. I gave everyone a bet and said, Form a wall. We'll push our way out. Some of the Orioles players were mixed in with us. The rest were pinned down in their dugout. And I didn't think they were going to make it. Me and Mancini distributed the defenses and we began our escape. But they were all over us. We couldn't get the room to start moving. I looked at Joe and Joe looked at me. He gave me the nod I knew exactly what I had to do. Santa had Rudolph, the Four Seasons had Frankie Valley, and the Upper Deckers had me. I pushed through to the front of the wall and found the biggest guy I could. You know, like prison. And I did the only thing I could do. I bit the shit out of it. People started moving then. With the wall of bats, we pushed our way over the field to get to their birds. But the fans started flanking us on all sides. We were surrounded. So I, I, I did the only thing I could think of. I mean, I know these fans, you know? They're not violent. They're just drunk. I figured everyone just needed a little sobering up. A, a quick cold shower and everything would be good as new, you know? So I pulled out my phone and I, I called my blimp guy. What did you tell him? I told him. I told him to drop the pudding. Folks, I cannot tell you the chaos we are witnessing tonight at Camden Yards. The field is... Wait, what's that in the sky? At first, it was just a few drops. In all the chaos, it could have been rain. But then the pudding started streaming down, smacking in thick globs all over the field, stadium, and fans. To be honest, I don't even remember how I got down on the field. But once the pudding started falling, oh, we just didn't know what to do. Everyone started running in all directions. The fans were, were scattering. I saw an opening, so we started running towards the O's dugout. And that's when we saw him. On the ground behind second, getting pelted by pudding, was Brandon Hyde. As the fans stormed the field, he had been pinned down before he could make it to the dugout. Now the pudding kept him from getting up. I saw him floundering there like a fish out of water. So I broke from the pack and went over to him. I asked him if he was all right, and he said he thought he sprained his ankle. What else could I do? Leave him behind? So Big Joe Bandicoot, who had spent a summer trash-talking Brandon Hyde and his team, lifted the Orioles' manager over his shoulder and broke for the dugout. A few stragglers tried to stop us, but I pushed them back. We got into the dugout and we all rushed into the tunnel. I saw an old man and a boy in there. So I pushed them in the doors with us. I tell you, I couldn't wait to spend time with my grandson at Camden. But never, I mean never did I think we'd be ducking for cover in the dugout. Finally, we get into the clubhouse. I sat high down on a bench and I tried to barricade the path behind us. You could still hear the pudding pelting down on the field. I remember all of us standing there for a moment, not knowing what to do. I heard wailing in the seats. Brandon told me, you better hide. Outside the stadium, the chocolate rain was running out. Slowly, Sky Turd lumbered away from Camden Yards. I knew the fallout from this was going to be intense, so I pointed the blimp toward the bay. The city watched as the giant blimp slowly made its way out over the Chesapeake. I let it descend once we were out over open water. As soon as we were in the clear, I grabbed an inflatable raft and a parachute and jumped. And I let that beautiful blimp crash into the bay. 
Back at Camden, the chaos was finally quieting. The fans were running from every exit. No one was trying to get further into the stadium anymore. Everyone just wanted to get out. When we got to the clubhouse, I shed my uniform and went back out into the crowd. Undercover! I made my way over to where the commode was parked and pulled it around to the nearest exit. So with Mosquito as the getaway driver, the Orioles and Upper Deckers boarded the Upper D's famous bus and peeled out of the stadium. Every one of the players escaped the pudding-soaked Camden Yards. Well, almost everyone. Once we got on 83, I knew we were in the clear. I wanted to know what our next move was, and that's when I noticed. I turned to Domino and said, Hey, where's Joe? Next time, on the season finale of Beneath the Headlines. It's quite the dealer offered me. Maybe it's time I'll come home. This is episode four of five of Beneath the Headlines, season one, 50 Cent Beer Night and the Legend of the Dundalk Upper Deckers. The show is produced by Paul Diem, Matthew Shea, and me, Megan Stanton. Jeremy Weinstein is our technical director, with production assistance from B. Claymeyer, Genevieve DeMai, Sid Cohn, Alix Fenhagen, Tina Kennedy, and Laura Sly. The show is edited by Matthew Shea, and our theme music is by Daniel Baird Jr. Beneath the Headlines is sponsored by Single Carrot Theatre. To learn more about Single Carrot and their productions, visit singlecarrot.com. 